0: I actually gave me the training because I can't shut up. I put in the cash register. They just trained me for like a salesman. Oh, so. yeah. mm-hmm. The uh, first job, I mean, I was pretty sad, but like, yeah. my first real job was uh, Tilly's Five Points a day. It was a like teeny <laughs> little store back then. <laughs> All right, everybody <laughs> got a few few moments there to go down go down memory lane and uh, sorry, Phil, I heard you were talking about lifeguard I and not want to cut you off you guys had a big grouper there um, We'll have a moment in discussion too. You can, you can This is one of the discussion questions too because it's such a fun um, question just to kind of consider and think about. You know, my first job, and I don't have a picture of me doing my first job, but I do have this image. Mine was of a paper boy. Um, does anybody remember this, this video game good on on, on good old Nintendo? Um, I was a paper boy. I started throwing papers back in, in Myerstown And I mean, that was such a challenging job. That was 365 days a year. I had to deliver the papers. And on the weekends, you had to get up early, Saturday, Sunday, they had to be delivered in the morning. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'd get home from school, and I'd get a stack of papers. You had to roll them up, either put them in a bag or wrap them with a rubber band, you'd stuff your paper bag, and then you'd, I'd ride my bike around just like this kid, uh, this video game, and you'd throw your, your papers on people's doors, and um, snow, sleet, uh, Pennsylvania humidity, whatever it took, we had to get those papers out there. Um, so that was my, my first job, and, and I want again. I want to go back and talk about work here, but before I do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take a little side note. I got two pictures here to to show you um, uh, about our church, and here's here's this wasn't the first Sunday, but I think this was the second Sunday, um, and that was probably taken with like an iPhone two because um, it's not a very good picture. But that's I think that was our second Sunday. I was looking for a first Sunday picture. I, I mean, didn't dig, huh? <laughs> He's you mean, are you talking about, you're talking about the one on the right is that brian up there yeah that's brian okay. that's I was, I was much younger yeah <laughs> 10 years younger it's crazy to think um so uh so we start our church february 2011 right and there's brian the second week uh, of our church being a church and then uh, about a month later right after our church starts that's huh that's little Julia being born. So our church kind of starts, or our church starts, and then I go straight from kind of starting the church to being what I've always referred to myself as as the stay-at-home pastor, right? Because all throughout this kind of church career or history, I've done the stay-at-home dad gig slash, um, slash the pastor or the pastor slash the stay-at-home dad. And, you know, it's been such a wonderful journey, and, you know, the girls have been... Um, So good, this is another picture that I kind of came across of, this is Jeanette, and this was when we lived in our condo over off Belgrave, and I had that little kind of, I know a lot of you folks remember our house over there, I kind of had that little upstairs office area, and I would have to create like this little barrier so she would not bother me while I'm, you know, because this is important church work that I'm doing, really, you know. Um, So this was this little barrier that I had created, luckily she did not treat it. She would would climb it. I had this one I couldn't find, but I'm sitting at my desk and I have my foot in her face and I'm like taking a picture of it because I'm trying to to work and keep her away from me. She'd just come crawl over me and all that stuff. But I've kind of done this stay-at-home pastor kind of of church gig. So 2020 or 2021 was supposed to be the year because now that Julia has, obviously Julia's in fifth grade, Jeanette's now in second grade, and then Alice was going to be in kindergarten. So this was going to be the year that the stay-at-home dad kind of thing would would go to the side, huh? Yeah, and, and then I could really kind of land into this this pastoral role. and I was really looking forward to this time've I've never I've never really had a time when I could be like like, like a full time, more or less a full-time pastor for for this role for this church. Um, now let me take a little side note, too, because I want to talk about um, something else that's been happening in my life lately. So in 2015. Um, and, uh, I know a lot of you folks in here know the Reinharts. Rick Reinhart was the president of the Specialty Coffee Association. Um, and he said, hey, Eric, you know, we do this expo once a year. He's like, you'd be great at this role. Come on up to Seattle. We'll pay for your flight. We'll pay for your hotel. We'll pay for you to be there. And you can come up and work this expo with us. And, you know, and and yeah. And, and you guys know how much I love coffee and I'm passionate about coffee. So in 2015, I go up to Seattle um, there I am, the floor manager. Now, if there was a title that brought power to a man, and this picture on the left was great because these guys that I ran into, this is uh, this is Jeremy and oh man, now I'm drawing a blank. Jeremy and Jeremy's on the left, and then I'm I'm just having a moment for a second to the guy on the right. It's going to hit me in a second. These two guys were in my junior high group. Do you remember these guys, Brian? Jeremy Moss. Um, he was like he like hung out with Brian Park. He was like one of Brian Park's um yeah. So these ones that were stepbrothers? Were they? Well I remember one of them had like a anyway. Yeah. So they actually started a little coffee company. It's called Created Company. This is this is Created Company. That's their their coffee mugs and they make cups and all those sorts of things. And uh, I got to, you know, kinda catch up with these guys. So I, I've I've kinda held this this kind of side once a year, go up to these coffee expos and go kind of, I don't know, boss people around and pretend like I'm important and, and whatnot, um, and on the side, on occasion, I've done this little, um, yeah, just little side projects for, for the coffee association with, with whatnot. Um, starting a couple, a couple months, or about a year ago, um, the woman who I've kind of was my boss came to me and said, hey, you know, we have this position that's going to be open, and I, I we're looking for some help to fill this position. Could you kind of help help fill this position? Um, and this was a position that I was really familiar with over my years working in the coffee industry. And uh, it was a position that was vacated uh, right after the, the pandemic hit. It was a furloughed uh, position. And so she said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to need some help starting February, kind of leading up to this. This expo that's going to happen in October. She's like, would you be interested in filling in? It'd probably be somewhere like 15, maybe 20 hours a week. And I said, yeah. I mean, I, I think I could do that. I could kind of help out. And this might be where you know we all have our little enneagram numbers. I'm a number two, so if somebody says, hey, we could use some help, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. They need help, and here I am. And so they said, yeah, we could we could use some help in this position, and, and you know, we can we can kind of give you a little hourly. Um, pay for it, and you know, fifteen twenty hours a week. I'm like, I think I could kind of work. I know the 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 work that's required and what's needed. Um, and so I said, sure. So starting in February, I kind of started, you know, working these these hours uh, with with the Coffee Association again. And um, I will just say this: like, the fifteen twenty hours is not fifteen twenty hours. It's been, and I I know I've talked to a few of you folks about this, so most of you folks know that it's been full on, like just full gas. It's been madness. Um, I know teachers think of the first day, first week of school or or last couple weeks of school. If there's, you know, if it was deadline week, um, it's like Black Friday every single day. It's just been a crazy amount of workload. And I'll spare you like all the twists and turns of my, my role is kind of planning, helping plan this expo that's supposed to happen next weekend a mass person event in in a city, New Orleans, which has had a pretty significant spike in the Delta variant, right? Now, in addition, they just had a massive hurricane that rolls through that takes power out. But this, this is, I'm sorry, this is hard to see. On the left, just for reference, this is, was Boston in 2019. So all these little yellow dots, all these little yellow spaces are exhibitors that are paid and exhibiting and ready to go. And this one, man, I should have taken a more recent picture because this is even worse than what it is. Like, this is all it is from this line below, right? It's, it's, a, it's 40% of what it is. It's, been, it's just been a crazy amount of work. Now, I say this two reasons. I, want, I wanted to bring this up and I wanted to talk about this for two reasons, okay? It's been a it's been a, like I said, this this work, this job has been so consuming to me. It's been a season for me of minimal church work, right? And maybe, you know, I talked to the board about this a couple weeks ago and the board's like, Well, we didn't even we didn't really even know that was, this was happening, you know, it's like we, we just thought everything was as is. Um, but the reason I want to talk about this is maybe because you're thinking, you know, Eric hasn't written me a letter in a long time. <laughs> Has he forgotten about me or is he just mad at me? I have not written any letters in, in, in a long time, and, but I haven't forgotten about you. I still know your address. But the second and real important reason why I want to bring this up, and again, I want to talk in a larger context than about, about work in a second, is I think part of why I wanted to bring this up is my goal, as a, one of my goals as a pastor is to be as transparent as I can be, right? Um, and I want our church to be as transparent. As we can be. And sometimes these subtle and and simple and even sometimes insignificant steps are important for us, for me to maintain that, right? We want to be transparent with our decisions about our finances as a church. We want to be transparent um, about who our board is, about my salary, about my struggles, my shortcomings. One thing that we know is that sin lurks in the shadows, its primary its primary power is isolation, right? Its primary power is isolation. And so the more you can just be transparent and say like, hey, this is just kind of what it is. This is what's going on in life. This is how things have been. And just let people know that's just, I just always want to be about that as a church. Not only for me, but I want to inspire that to one another, right? That we can say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Brian, what you shared, you know, hey, I got this open house and I'm a little freaked out about this, right? Like, let's be transparent about what's happened in our life. We have this going on and that going on. Um, and I want us to be in that kind of transparent uh, transparent phase. Now, again, lastly, and I want to move on to, to to the teaching. As I mentioned, this has just been demanding of the full extent of my time over the past, I don't know, Robin, six weeks. My wife's been like, She's like, I don't like SCA, Eric. <laughs> She's like, I want Pastor Eric back. Um, and I've enjoyed most of the work. Since and, you've been back from Croatia, you've been like full on. Yeah, like all day long. Um, it's been really challenging. I'll, I'll share some things that I've, I've learned about. Probably will leak out in sermons coming up over the next couple weeks. Um, I've really relied on the Lord in a different way during this season. Um, I've really learned so much from the Lord. He's, he's really sustained me. He's really shown mercy to me too, in this, I've been able to be a witness into this community, not a very, um, not a very religious community, so to speak, so to be able to be a witness into this community, so I have this expo, I'm going to leave on Wednesday, Um, it wraps up on Sunday, I might have a little bit of wrap-up work to do after that, but I wanted to kind of say, like, this is kind of the end of this, this SCA Eric season, and then I'm really looking forward to being a pastor, I really do. You know, they've said, hey, do you want to take this job? Do you want to be the, the guy? Do you want to, you know, have this role full-time? Like, I don't want to do that. I want to be a pastor to the folks that are in this church, to the kids. Uh, I want to grow this community. It's been a weird, for sure, year and a half, two years with the pandemic, and then this kind of was thrown in and all the sorts of things. So um, I'm really looking forward to being a pastor um, and just kind of settling back into this role, maybe for the first time, really settle into this role. So... That's all I got to say about that. You guys want to talk a little bit more about work in general? <laughs> Let's talk about work. Um, with the word work, right? Everybody here have a job? Yeah, yeah I have a. I have, I have many jobs. You have many jobs. Yeah. With the word work, this was um, something that was kind of brought about by a sociologist. His name's Robert Bella, and his in his work, uh, it's called Habits of the Heart. And he talks about work, and he talks about there's, there's three orientations towards work, okay? So first, you can have work as a job. And this is what we talked about just a few minutes ago, your first job, right? Here, the goals are just money for the most part. Why did you have your first job? You just want to make some money, right? You just needed some, that financial freedom. Maybe sometimes work is a job, but you can do it just because it, it pays the bills, right? You just have this job that pays the bills you really focus on what you're getting from the job. Often people who work these kind of, when they treat work as a job, they actually grow to resent them, right? I'm sure at one point, those first jobs that you had, you're like, oh gosh, I'm so sick of this job, right? And you moved on to another job. So there is one way to view work as a job. Another way to view work is as a career, right? When you have work as a career, here, your goal is advancement, prestige, status. You focus on how much success you can get from the career. Most people who are see work as, um, as a career are often preoccupied with a phrase that we use called climbing the what? Climbing the ladder, right? People think of work as a career. That's right. And then Bella says there's one other way to view work. There's one other orientation towards work in which you have work as a vocation or a calling, right? Vocation comes from this Latin word, vocar, which means to call, to, to kind of call something out. At the heart of it is there's something or someone outside of ourself. And he says this, he says that work is a contribution to the good of all and not merely as a means to one's own advancement, right? So work as a job is about you and your money. Work as a career is about you and your status. Work as a vocation and calling ends up not really being about your work at all. It's about others, right? The focus is on others. Serving a group of people. Fulfillment comes in seeing those around you flourish. Now, any work... Any work that you do can take on any of these orientations, right? Even as a pastor, right? You guys may think, oh, pastor, vocation, calling, sure. That guy as a pastor, I could show up and be like, this church pays the bills. happy with that. i get my salary. You know. I could have that, that disposition towards the church, right? I could have the disposition towards the church as a career like, man, you know what? This church is like, it's good. I'm I'm hoping to build it big enough to one day that I can actually maybe take a step up to like another bigger church. Like maybe I'll go back to Seaside because that's like a couple hundred people and I'll be a pastor over there. And then once I'm a pastor over at Seaside, maybe, maybe, maybe I can go to Cottonwood and be one of the pastors over at Cottonwood. And then maybe I'll have my book deal up. And then, you know, so I can view a pastor as like a career, like this way of status, of advancement, right? You can view pastor as a vocation, as a calling. To serve others and to see them flourish in Jesus. We have a couple teachers in here. Teachers' work can be a job. You can do it for the money. It can be a career. You might want to be an AP or kind of climb that ladder. Maybe get your eye on the superintendent position one year, right? You can do it as a as a calling. I love to watch light bulbs go on in kids' heads, right? I love to see other kids flourish. And and it doesn't matter if you if you work in a cubicle. You can punch the clock you can climb the ladder or you can work hard to make sure that whatever clients you're serving, whatever people you're serving get the best possible service. And what's interesting about this too is as, as Bella describes it too. You could be in the same so to speak job, you could be in the same work and experience all three of these different orientations, right? You could have you know, you could I, you could be a teacher and you'd be like Phew, she pays the bills, right? And you could be a teacher and you could So It's interesting, again, to think about work in these three orientations, right? Any work can take on job, career, or vocation status. Uh, You might be in one of these phases as you think about work. You might be in a transition in one of these phases. Um, But here's what's interesting about work. And Tim Keller, I I know you guys know, I reference him quite a bit, has a great, a a really incredible book just about work in general. It's called Every Good Endeavor. So if you want to kind of understand... Uh, Man, he does a a, a remarkable job kind of really talking about the theology of work. Um, He says this in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says, if work is your identity, success will go to your head and failure will go to your heart. He says, therefore, you need an identity outside of work. You need a different root structure that determines your value and identity. As Christians, we say that it has to come from Christ, right? If work is your identity, think about this. When when you make work the center of your life, if success, you're like, oh man, look at how good I am, look at how wonderful this. Failure will go to your heart. It will make you miserable. You'll be emotional and moody. Um, therefore, you do need that identity outside of work. That's right. And you got a new job coach you were telling me about this morning, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we need that identity outside of work. We need that different root structure. We need the presence of Christ in our hearts and in our minds as we approach work, right? Um, I would say that a couple things when we think about work and and as we kind of consider how to ground our identity and our value in Christ, really to say, Jesus above my work, right? How do I really, really make this about you? How do I make my work about you? I would say, number one, is really to consider that you have an eternal employer, right? You have an, inter- an eternal employer. Um, Paul, in his, letters, in his letter to the Colossians, it's a phenomenal verse, right? He says this, he says, servants, and whenever you see servants, you could maybe just put you know, employees. I mean, obviously, this is kind of who Paul was talking to, but people who, are, who, who work for somebody. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full, when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. I like how Peterson translates this. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Right? We have an eternal employer. Another letter he says, he's writing to the Ephesians. He says this, he says, Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter what happens to be, I'm sorry, but no matter, no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you're slave or free, right? To think at at, at this time in your life, wherever situation you are, right? That you have an eternal employer. Jesus talks about this when he calls us to be servants in Matthew twenty. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the ten talents that we're given. We're given some sort of talent. We're given something in life. What do we do with those things? Jesus, does, um, at one point, depicts himself as the owner of a vineyard who's gone away and has put his servants to work, has put people to work. Again and again, the scriptures seem to indicate that we as Christians, right, we're working for someone behind the scenes, beyond our current situation, right? We have an eternal employer. I love this, this quote from, from John Orper. Um, and he says, isn't this great? Sometimes God will interrupt us in our work, not to give us a chance to show off our giftedness, but simply to give us a chance to serve. I've thought about this a little bit over the um the, the past couple months serving with alongside the SCA. It's just been a chance to serve in some senses, right? It's been an interruption in in kind of what I thought was going to be my time to shine as a pastor. And God kind of interrupted me during this season and says, here's an opportunity to serve. Here's an opportunity um and and it's been this is this has been something that's kind of been just Bouncing around in my head a little bit, and, and maybe you're thinking about of a moment in your life or, or something that's happened in this season of your work, where you're like ready to shine and you're ready to show everybody how gifted you are and how talented you are and how wonderful you are, and God's like, hold on a second. Here's this opportunity that you get to serve. When we have this eternal employer, right, and going back to that one quote by Keller, I would say this: When Christ is your identity, right, when you really think about that, when when He really becomes your identity. Success will lead to praise to Jesus, right? Success will lead us to praise Jesus. That's what it is. And maybe you've had this moment where you're like, man, I did a really good job on that project or that year or that event. And somewhere from within your heart, your natural response is just to glorify and praise God, right? When, when, when Christ is your identity, any success that you have, it's like, God, thank you. Like, you gave me this opportunity to do this and here I am able to serve you and then you know the second thing i would say too is, is when christ is your identity like really there's no fear of failure right what's the worst that can happen honestly what's the worst that could happen in your job when christ is your identity when he's your all when he is the one who says you're my child i love you i care for you right how could you ever disappoint god the eternal security are, is found in your father's arms, and you didn't meet your sales quota. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we have an eternal employer i don 't know what situation you're going through at work or if it's difficult or easy or or but this is a really important reminder for us. Work is a massive part of all of our lives it's a huge part and we have challengers, and we have situations come up. And it's really important to think about, okay, Lord, I know that this is what's in front of me, but what's behind me is that you're my eternal employer. One other thing that I want to say um, is that work has eternal significance. Eternal significance, right? Think about your job that you have, or or your career, your vocation. It has eternal significance. I'll close with this. I think I've shared this before, this, this story about um, Mr. J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Have we talked about this? The, the, the Leaf by Niggle. Who's familiar with Leaf by Niggle? Anyone? No? Remember me talking about this? Yeah, this is such a, such a brilliant story that, that, that Tolkien um, kind of comes up with. Okay, J.R.R. R. Tolkien, my wife's favorite author because she loves Lord of the Rings. She's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. It's just hard to, that's what she wakes up in the morning and watches. <laughs> yeah. Is there, I mean, any Lord of the Rings, I mean, who's Lord of the Rings? Phil, thank you. Me and Phil are going to have a moment here. <laughs> no. Anyone else? I was, I was a hater at first, but I, I came around. But... You were a hater, came around? I was a hater at first, but I came around. All I know is my yeah. None over here. Ronnie Molly. Got nothing? No one. No, by default. By default. Anyone over here, Lord of the Rings? I love Gandalf. You love Gandalf? <laughs> yeah, yeah alright. We got a couple. Okay, regardless, maybe you just think Lord of the Rings is complete literary <laughs> sewage. A phenomenal, incredible mind, a brilliant mind to create this this massive hobbit Lord of the Rings thing. Um at one point he's he's kind of he's writing these books. Right, he's writing these Lord of the Rings books, and he's he's literally think about and maybe again you've seen part of it or some of it. He's creating these characters. He's creating languages, like histories for elves, hobbits. There's dwarves. There's orcs. There's men and wizards. There's talking trees. And now some of you are thinking like, oh, I only know I don't watch that. <laughs> and he's creating this massive this massive world that has to be, you know, in his mind for for this this series of books, right? He's struggling as he's creating these massive worlds. And again, we think sometimes these geniuses just sit down and, you know, back in the day, you just would have written it out. But he's really struggling. He's having a hard time um, kind of pull all these subplots together to make sense of everything. Um, At the same time that Tolkien's writing Lord of the Rings, this kind of trilogy with The Hobbit, I guess it's the four books, World War II, starts, right? World War II starts. He's, he lives in England, right? And he begins thinking as the bombing starts happening in England that he might not even live long enough to finish his work, right? So he's creating all these things. He's creating this masterpiece, this work of, of, of Lord of the Rings, of The Hobbit, of all these things. And bombings happening around him to where he's thinking, I, I might not even see my work be finished, right? One night he wakes up with a short story on his mind about a painter named Niggle, right? Leaf by Niggle. And, and Niggle is, is actually a word it kind of means to fiddle or work in an ineffective way, right? You just kind of are, like, if you're kind of moving around. We got an announcement going on here. You the oh, you got to get the volleyball. Or whatever other ball is in here. Right here. Okay. Um so niggle is this word that kind of means fiddling working in an ineffective way and niggle has in his mind that he's going to paint a picture of this beautiful tree right the most beautiful tree the world has ever seen but he gets stuck painting all the details of a single leaf niggle was a perfectionist right and again this kind of mimics Tolkien's situation as he's trying to create this beautiful world, this this world of all the things that happen in Lord of the Rings. And and and, and Tolkien's stuck, just as, as Niggle is stuck on this leaf. He's he's kind of a fiddler. He's an ineffective painter, right? So Niggle as he's painting this also knows that he has this journey to take, this long journey to take, which means in, in, in again kind of Tolkien's metaphor, death is coming. Death is coming for, for Niggle and, and again also um, Tolkien being with the bombing happening all around in England thinks death is coming. He has this journey to take. He also has a neighbor. Uh, Nigel has a neighbor and the neighbor is named as parish. And this this neighbor parish always asks him to run errands, right? And Nigel is this kind soul. He always helps him out. One night, parish asks him to get a doctor for his sick wife. Niggle ends up coming down with a cold, a chill and takes his long journey to death and he's lamenting the whole time that he never finishes his masterpiece. He was stuck painting one leaf, right? Um, he gets on the train. And he's, again, kind of taking his journey, his long journey, his, his journey to death, the heavenly country. And there's this, this line, and, and this is from, from the book itself. This is Tolkien, right? As he, as he gets on the train, he's riding the train, he gets off the train. Before him stood the tree. His tree finished, its leaves opening, its branches growing and bending in the wind that Nigel had so often felt or guessed and yet had so often failed to catch. He gazed at the tree and slowly he lifted his arms and opened them wide and he said, It's a gift. It's a gift. Nigel realizes that what he had created in his world was caught up in the far larger creation of heaven. That his small sub-creation, right? His small work, his sub-creation was welcomed by the creator. He received it as a gift, right? I mention this story, this, I mentioned this story because Jesus seems to indicate Right? The Bible seems to tell us that the work that we are given to do here, what we are entrusted to do here, will have eternal significance. Right? Will have eternal significance. Whatever job, whatever work you're given here, is not just like, hey, I'm going to punch the clock for 40 hours a week for the next 40 years, and after that I'll call it a career and retire. Right? The work that we do has eternal significance significance Paul says in Corinthians your labor in the Lord right your labor for your eternal employer will not be in vain it's not just wasted right the message translates it like this always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless right it might feel like you're painting a leaf forever and ever and ever. And yet I think that that's, the Bible seems to say that whatever you're doing, whatever work you're doing, is absolutely significant and critical, and it's not useless. It will be caught up, it will be caught up and welcomed by the Creator. right This is our work that we can offer. And I know that we all kind of have different jobs or different places in in work and career. Um, But God, here's what you've created me to do. Here's the work that you've put before me. It's all yours. It's all significant, right? It all matters, right? God, it's all yours. Take this work that you give to me. Again, whether it's, you know, something, oh, he's a pastor, that's calling, that's vocation, or, you know, whatever, or he's doing recycling. Everything matters to the Lord, right? We all have that leaf to paint, whatever that might be. Something small, often seemingly insignificant, but we root our identity in work for the Lord, in work for our eternal significance, for now and forever. Um, And I hope that, again, as we think about work, and and a lot of us kind of, September, October, we're getting really back into the full swing of work or, or, you know, summers kind of come with vacations. That's right. They call you for work too. And this has been something that's been, again, kind of on my mind that I keep thinking about, that this is, we have this internal employer. We have this eternal, our work has eternal significance. Um, This is what we are reminded of this morning so let me close in a in a little bit of discussion but before i do that i'll say a word of prayer because i know that you guys want to get back to um oh i thought i had the oh yeah up at the top i know you guys want to get back to that top question your first job and how much money you made so um but let me close this in discussion i mean in a prayer and then we'll, we'll jump into discussion Lord, a lot of us um, tomorrow morning. Yeah, we kind of get back at it. Kind of got things to do, got deadlines, got people demanding of our time. Have struggles. Have victories. Have joys. Um, remind us, Lord, when when we are in these work situations. which in the scope of our lives is, is a significant, significant chunk of our lives. This is something we do for you. You're the one that we answer to. That our work is not just here for a couple years and then we move on. It, it really echoes throughout eternity. It has significance. But what we do is not useless. It's not in vain. We give our whole heart to you. I pray that for the folks that are struggling at work. It's difficult. It's challenging. That you would encourage them. That you would remind them. I pray for those who are in a joyous place at work. Who are really enjoying their work. are having um, great connection. Great fulfillment. Continue to maintain that Lord. Lord all of us may we turn our eyes towards you. In this time and period that we do our work. All these things, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Okay, your first job, how much money did you make if you just kind of want to go back there? What do you find most complex about your current work? Is it competition? Is there conflicts? Is there the economics of it? Ethics? Maybe evangelism? Leadership? Meaning and value? Motivation? Pay? Relationships? Balance? Politics? Calling? Success? What's what's complex about your current job or your current work? Um, what was more important for you to think about this kind of aspect that we have an internal employer or work has eternal significance? Is there a struggle or burden in regards to work that is weighing heavily on you right now? And could you, and and if you wanted to, could you share it or, or maybe share that with the person next to you? Or again, in kind of a moment of transparency as we try and talk about that would would you want to kind of share about that um so yeah let's just think for a few minutes about work about our jobs um and then we'll uh we'll have some some wrap-up discussion